0: What would you like the power to do?
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. A woo a hand clap, or a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Welcome to Heart & Hand Rangers Podcast, the podcast that's equally at home in Europe, or among Perth farmers. This week on Heart and Hand, on to the spaghetti had. So, welcome to Heart and Hand, Rangers Podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host as usual, and joining me this week is a stalwart of the Heart and Hand team. is Mr Ian Hogg.
3: How you doing, mate? Uh, good afternoon and hello to everyone. Also joining is
2: making her debut on the flagship show from Blue Scarves on and a long-standing member of the Lewis and Harris Ranger Supporters Club. It's Caroline Morrison. Hello, Caroline.
0: Hi, David. Hi, Hoggy. Thanks for having me on. Excited for my first appearance on the flagship.
2: Yeah, this is why we couldn't have Martin on, Hoggy, because between his and Caroline's voice... I think it would just have been too much for some of our listeners.
3: It would have been a complete perv fest, let's face it. A perv fest for all the sexies. That's it. Instead, instead, we'll just have my voice. And as you know, folk hate that, so that's fine.
2: (laughs) I don't think they hate your voice, which is what you say. (laughs) That's true. Um, We're going to roll all the way back to Thursday night, guys, Um, because uh, with the the way scheduling falls, this is the first pod we've had to discuss. What was a very, very special night, Caroline. Atmosphere um, we knew would be emotional. The passing of Fernando Rickson and the genuine outpouring of emotion and love for Fernando, I think, from the Ranger support. That was expected, but something that I think was also appreciated was from the rest of Scottish football in particular and from world football as a whole, uh, it was a wee reminder that as seriously as we take it, and we do, uh, there are more important things in life.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. and Actually, I think the club handled it really well um, in terms of even just playing for Nando at halftime. That was a nice wee touch. Um, But I, same as yourself, was nicely surprised by how the rest of not only Scottish but world football Um, reacted to to the news and even during the game, seeing opposition fans, opposition players and also the officials uh, take the time to kind of respect Fernando in the way they did was really unexpected but so, so nice to see and it was um, a really fitting way to kind of um, show appreciation for him.
2: So I mentioned this to a non-football supporting friend, Hoggy, and she said to me, you were pleased that they showed basic decency. And I thought that maybe does show you kind of what Scottish football has been over the last few years, that it's become in many ways a bit of a cesspit. And maybe, yeah, our expectations are lower. But I think when you go away from maybe social media or whatever, real people react the way you would expect them to.
3: Yeah, Well done for being a human uh, and not being an arsehole. That's largely what we're saying. But, you know, I think over the years, and I'm not just talking about over the past seven years, David, it goes a long, long way back beyond that. Um, Common decency isn't something I expect when it comes to other football fans, even journalists in this country. Uh, One or two obviously had their snide digs at the dead now that they can't talk back. I, th- I think one in particular has form, but today's not the day for that. By and large, it was yeah, it was decent and it was it was right. Um one or two things particularly stand out. Yapstam just pitching up with some of the Fire team. Um the 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 minute silence was Pretty much impeccable, um, and then the, the the applause in two minutes, and the players just stopping um that was that was incredible yeah it was it was a moment that I think will
2: live with anyone who saw it forever, it was such a classy touch of uh, the opposite the players the opposition the the referee um the the officials everyone joined in, and it really was a, a special tribute to someone who thoroughly deserved it. Moving on then Caroline to the match itself, Um, I knew we would win because Rangers, when we go into group stages of Europe, we win our first game, do pretty well in the second, bit disappointing in the double header, complete disaster in the fifth and then narrowly miss out in the sixth game. So the first one was always going to be a victory, right?
0: Yeah, true to form, <laughs> much what we expected. Um, but that said, I, I wasn't as confident as you. I'll be honest. Before the the start of the match, uh, despite that being the kind of blueprint for um, for previous, um, I guess, expeditions in the group stages. But yeah, absolutely delighted with how we started. As Gerard's asked from us a number of different occasions, he really wanted us to to set a high tempo, really be in their faces. And in the first half in particular, we absolutely nailed that. Um, Yeah, very, very nice to see. And players like Alfie were just completely unplayable. Finer didn't quite know how to to handle him, which was, yeah, really nice to see and exactly how he wanted to start the game.
2: I still can't get my head around nobody coming in for Alfie because you see in matches like this just what a special player he is. He, he has a goal scorer we know that, his record tells you that but there's so much more to his game as you say for about an hour I thought that the final defence had no idea what to do with him no idea what to do with Arfield and they, they both tired and that let final I think back into the game because they were defending from the front and Ian um, after a, a wee bit of a warning from Feyenoord early doors where they Passed through those a couple of times. Rangers shifted into gear, got a penalty, missed. A kind of woeful effort, in all honesty, from James Tavern there. And rather than, and I, I, I choose my words carefully here, Rangers in the past, this Rangers side, have not always shown the best attitude when it comes to responding to things going against them like that. This was the opposite. You could not level that at them in this match. That penalty miss actually seemed to spur them on, and up until half time was one of the best Rangers performances in Europe. You'll see. The only thing missing was the second, third, and possibly even fourth goals. Rangers destroyed Feyenoord um, for thirty five minutes.
3: It reminded me of the uh, the Rapid Vienna game last year at Ibrooks where one of the Rapid players basically said, you know, we, we, we couldn't live with them. Um, and that's what we got on Thursday night. It was, it was almost, it was a first half where we almost, we, we almost ran ourselves out because after that, you kind know, of hour mark, you know, it, it just wasn't sustainable at all. But by God, we could have been out of sight. The way that we swarmed around them, the way that we hunted in packs, that was the most imp- one of the most impressive bits for me, David, that, yeah, would lose the ball, but would go hunting after it and smother them. I watched a video in, on Twitter, I can't, I'll, I'll find it and we can post it in the link or whatever, that um, basically showed you, stopped the play and showed you how Rangers were going after it. We were attacking in triangles, but we were also defending and harrying the opposition in, tri- in triangles. And it meant that neither had nowhere to go. Or their only out was to punt it and we got it and just went after them again. It was such a good first half performance. As you say, you know, just missing an extra goal or four. Um, but to do that after the penalty miss and in the first game of the season against Colmarnock, to not lie down at 1-1 and the same in St Mirren, you know, when when we're playing basically 11 St Mirren defenders, what I'm seeing from this Rangers team is that they're not going to give up. They're not going to chuck it. They're not going to go in the huff. They're not going to. Um, they're, they're, they've got balls this season, I think. Um, Thursday proved that. The game we're, go- we're going to come on to about Sunday proved that. I'm yeah. I'm 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 quietly excited.
2: Quick straw poll. Um, Tav now has missed a few penalties, including two in a row. Caroline, what's your views on that? Does he stick with him? Do we move on to someone else?
0: Yeah, first of all, I, I completely agree with Hoggy. I like the way the team kind of rallied after the, the penalty miss and kind of decided, actually, that's not what this game's going to be remembered for. We don't want all um, of that pressure on Tav. And I think they, they made sure that you know, that wasn't going to be the, the deciding factor in the game, which is good. Uh, but in terms of, of penalties on an ongoing basis, yeah, for for whatever reason, Tav seems to certainly have lost a bit of form and, and potentially a bit of confidence in taking them. Um, so I think we do need to freshen that up a little bit. Uh, it's a difficult conversation, I'm sure, for for Stevie to have with his captain. So you'd like to think that you know Tav, in his role as captain, would maybe suggest. Uh, a bit of a kind of change of pace and allowing what you'd assume would be either Morelos or Defoe, depending on who's in the pitch, uh, to take control of, of the penalties for a, a while, at least.
2: As Caroline says there, Hoggy, I think that the manager is uh, avoiding that conversation. He, he's come out and said that basically it's really down the tab, which, you know, is, is understandable. I'm not a great one for you miss one, you get taken off them, but I do think you missed two in a row, then it's a case of just saying, well, not saying you'll never, ever hit them again, but for the next wee while, it's going to go to Alfredo or or uh, Germain, whoever's on the pitch, as Kaz said. Um, that would be me, but it doesn't appeal. the manager is, and I just think it adds more pressure to each spot kick because everyone is watching saying, oh, he's missed the last two, and that, that's got to play with your mind
3: psychologically. Players are human. If um, what happens if he misses? What happens if he says yes? I'm on it. I'm I'm ready, Gaffer, and then misses the next one. What do we do then? Um, I think first, there's also like, that
2: macho culture that you've kind of uh, hinted at there, which is I need to say I'm hitting this. I can't not. Um, you know, it, it, there's something. Within sportsman that that goes no, I can't be seen to to back down. Whereas I think it's just a case of saying, do you know what, Alfie? You're flying at the moment. You hit it, and I'll get back. If you miss one or two, then I'll dive back in.
3: Personally, I'd give it to Borna Barisic. <laughs> but I I I think he is at the minute our best dead ball um, specialist. And uh, but whomever it goes to, I think it's time to give it to someone else uh, because. For that very reason of, if he decides he's taking them and he misses the next one, his confidence is shot to bits. Take him off it, let him build it back up and give him them back when someone else misses one or two in a row. That's that's the way it should go. Um, not, I, I don't think it's terrific management to say it's up to you, mate.
2: Hoggy mentioned, uh, born the Barisuch, or reborn Caroline, I think we can call him, after two <laughs> excellent displays. Um, well, actually, I'm maybe overpraising um, yesterday. It wasn't an excellent display, it was a very good one. And that is actually, in a way, more heartening. He was, he was superb, I thought, Thursday night. Um, that 50 50 that he won for the, for the goal for Ojo, although what a strike from Ojo it was. But even yeah. so, I don't think there were many people in the stadium thought he would go in for it because six months ago he wouldn't have he wouldn't have gone in for that tackle, whereas he, he nailed it and won it perfectly fairly. But I, I was quite impressed by the fact that at St Johnston, he was a good solid seven out of ten, did everything he was asked to do well, defended really well, got up the part, put over a couple of crosses. And to me, that's exactly what I thought we were getting from him. Just somebody that right. Don't need to worry about the left-back spot. That's reliable. So, in a way, I'm I'm almost as pleased that if he can make yesterday, if you like, his base level and then in the big matches we get what we got on Thursday night, then there is a, a career at Ibrox still ahead for for Borna.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy that we're having this discussion about, you know, a Croatian international, but you're absolutely right. He's not been consistent uh, for us up until very recently, as you said. So... In terms of Thursday, I was absolutely delighted to see how he was so dogged in making sure that he won that 50-50 challenge and, and setting up that assist for Ojo. He was screaming for the ball back, and that was probably what I would have wanted to happen. But, um, no, Ojo had other ideas, and it was an absolute screamer. Um, I half expected that in terms of Gerard freshening up the team, he might have switched in uh, for Barisic for the weekend game. But I'm really glad that he didn't. Because I think Barisic needs a run of games and he needs to get confidence um, playing in your kind of run of the mill SPL games as much as, as anywhere else. Um, so, yeah, really delighted that he seems to be finding a bit of form, albeit, you know, it's, it's very early days and in, in kind of making a claim like that.
2: Yeah, absolutely, but he does have the support of the fans, that was noticeable um, in a way that maybe some other players don't, and and look, there's no rhyme or reason for it, there are just certain players that fans will give a, a chance to, and there are certain others that they're maybe a bit hypercritical of at times, and Shea Ojo, I think, fits into the latter category, Ian, superb goal, another one, he's got great stats this season already, but there are complaints, um, heard round about me at the game, heard yesterday at the game, that... He doesn't do enough, doesn't work hard enough. And look, there's some validity to that at times. He doesn't have the same defensive nous as maybe someone like Ryan Kent or the departed Daniel Kondias would have. And there are times he's not in a game, but he can pop up and do something special. And I just wonder if as the manager has almost traded a little bit of that stability for, yeah, but I need somebody that's going to get, I need a match winner. And... That's maybe something Ojo
3: does have in his locker. Um, firstly, on Barisic, welcome to the party. Eventually, uh, I think that has to be said. She Ojo frustrates the living daylights out of me. He really does, um, and then he pops up and crashes one in against Feyenoord. and and we all love it. We 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 want that stability, but we also want almost that maverick uncertainty of of what he can provide. And I think you're right, I think the manager has traded the certainty because we saw what that did last season when we couldn't break down teams and we would drop points and all the rest of it versus we have got something a little bit different. We have got something or someone who can produce that little something. I don't agree, I have to say. I, I, I don't think he doesn't work hard enough. I think sometimes he just doesn't know how to defend and therefore you'll, you'll, you'll see him run into positions and leave two on ones. He needs probably someone strong alongside him or, you know, maybe just behind him telling him what to do and where to go. It's, it's the old, you know, uh, when you remember when Davey, Weir used to coach Danny Wilson through a game and we thought Danny Wilson was fucking terrific. And then he, when Davy we retired, we saw the real Danny Wilson, mm. um, it's that type of thing we need. We need him to be ordered around the pitch. And then when we've got the ball, go and do your thing. Because, you know, we've seen already this season, he's got umpteen goals. Um, and I don't think he's played particularly well. I really don't. I think he maybe turns up for 20% of a match. If we can up that to 40 or 50% of a match, then we'll have a, a real cracking player on our hand because i genuinely do think his work rate is good i just don't think it's always effective i'd also say david remember this time last year ryan kent was getting grumbles and mumbles because he wasn't really producing yeah Uh, yeah yeah exactly that and so whilst we can't really afford to give the kid loads and loads of time um, I would just urge that little bit of caution because we then went and signed Ryan Kent for seven and a half million quid because he'll get better.
2: Yeah, um, that's that's something that happens with these guys. They're here to learn, unfortunately, but we can't be hypocritical about it. We can't send Ross McCrory out to play and say, "Good, he's going to get games and learn." Uh, and then when we do the same thing, complain that they're not the finished article. That is why what loaning young players—that's the point of it. Moving on then to Sunday, Um, went to Perth to play St Johnston. Rangers have a good record up there, good record against St Johnston in general, but I've come a cropper every so often, so it's never a game you can take lightly, and Caroline, the manager certainly didn't, only the two changes to the side, did that surprise you, Uh, or looking at the way that the game went, was the manager, clearly he was right because we won 4-0, but did you expect maybe to see the team freshened a little bit more?
0: I probably did expect a little bit more in terms of changes. He's talked about um, freshening squads up and and kind of rotation. So um, I was pleasantly surprised to see it was just a couple of changes because you don't want to fall into that trap where you're dropping points after what was an absolutely exhausting run out uh, in the Europa League midweek. So, yeah, not as many changes as I was expecting, but I think he, he got the balance just right.
2: I'm convinced that we would have dropped points in this game last year because it was one of those 12 o'clock, 12.15 kick kickoffs on a Sunday. The crowd are hungover. Um, it's the can kind of after the Lord Mayor show for the players. The atmosphere you've gone from crazy, manic atmosphere against Fine Herb to, to that. And Rangers did come out of the trap slowly, hoggy. I mean, we were dominant, and for that, that was due, I think, to the midfield pairing of Stephen Davis and Ryan Jack, who were both superb and were both excellent, incidentally, against uh, Feyenoord as well. But they utterly dominated the midfield, so Rangers dominated the game. But in the first half, really only made one good chance for Alfredo Morelos. Conceded one chance to uh, uh, due to a, a defensive error that, that could have led to a St. Johnson goal, but a brilliant Alan McGregor save. And it just looked like one of those games that we witnessed far too often last season.
3: Well, I think it's it's one of those games we've witnessed this season as well, David. You know, we we score against Kilmarnock and then go off the pace. We, first half against St Mirren, we struggle because it's a very exceptionally slow tempo and they pack the defence. And, and, you know, St Johnson would have been... St Johnson would have been delighted to have come away with a 0-0 yesterday and taken a point. We probably, we must have had 70-odd percent possession yesterday. Um, And the... That's the way the first half went. St Johnson didn't try to come out. We dominate the midfield. It pushed them further and further back and it just meant there was no pla no space to play. We desperately need the first goal in those types of games. Um because then then the St Johnsons of this world are, are forced to open up and, and, and come out. And I'm not having a go at St Johnson. You know, at the end of the day they're they're bottom of the league. Um Christ, they only had about 1,000 fans turn out. Rangers brought about 5,500. St. Johnson are in a bad, bad place. Um, with a chairman who's quite accepting, incidentally, of coming 10th and being in the premiership every single season, that is the level of ambition. Um, I know that for a fact, having spoken to one of the backroom team recently there. So therefore, they, they'd packed it. We'd slowed down a little... Um, the players seemed to run out of ideas quite quickly. For example, it would go to Brandon, Bar- Brandon Barker. Brandon Bark I thought, really had a, a, a poor game versus when he came on um, against Livingston, when he came on against uh, Nord, I thought he did all right. The ball would go to him. They kind of swarmed around him. They swarmed around Dojo a little bit and it just wasn't happening at all. And I must admit, half-time came and I was um, fearful, David, thinking... We've seen this. Uh, we've seen this film before. Caroline Tempo
2: is one of those things. I think, as a fan and not having played the game, that we maybe struggle a little bit to understand because, to us, it's like why we'll just go out and play at a faster tempo. You know, don't don't fall into that trap. Just go out and. But again, you know, the human beings, the psychology of a of a situation does affect it. But it is something that worries me a little bit. The Rangers do seem to need a spark be it a in the balls from the manager be it a missed penalty be it conceding a goal like we did against Livingston to, to get going is that a concern or am I being a little overly picky?
0: No, no I think you're right to be a little concerned I think the reason that we probably collectively as fans aren't you know, focusing too much on it is that we haven't fallen foul of it so far this year but I think the first time that that I don't know whether the best word is complacency. Um, is going to cost us. Then I think you know the manager and the fans are are going to be pretty upset about it. It's natural, though. I think when you consider players and you know how much we're expecting of them week by week, with the the kind of multiple competitions that that we're going to be playing in, it's natural that that some games are going to get the best out of them and others will need to really slog um our way to to victory. But yeah, I'd much prefer us to be you know, really up for it and come out of the gates and win a game early on and potentially freshen up in the second half, make some changes and give the manager um, the option to kind of um, bring in sideline players. But the way that we've played in in lots of games this year, he hasn't had the luxury to do that as early as he's probably wanted to.
2: Ian, you've been in dressing rooms, you're aware of, of what goes on. I think that as fans, we understand that clearly it's not as easy as just saying, right, let's go out. But what does affect that? Because, you know, as a fan, you're looking at that game and thinking, right, lads, go out, get the job done early. Because I was worried we might tire in the second half, actually, after Thursday. Um, But they don't, obviously, in the match before they're going out, the last thing they don't say to each other in the dressing room uh, are is right. Come on, lads. Let's nice and slow to begin. That that's obviously not something they do. So, so what are the factors that can affect that?
3: I, I I genuinely think we're going to see a lot of this this season, David. Um, and you'll see it with the mob on the other side of the city as well. When they go to places like St. John'son, teams will camp in against them. Uh, teams will camp in against us. Think about um, think about the final game, and Final came out. And they gave it a go, and it allowed us plenty of play, plenty of space to be zipping the ball about. And that, for me anyway, that drives the tempo. If you've got no space to play the ball in, naturally you're it's going to slow down, or naturally you're going to give the ball away at times. As you, you're almost trying to push the play, if you like. So you maybe give the ball away, you've got to start again or you've got to play it back or whatever. Because all you're doing is trying to move the team around, the opposition around. And as I say, if that opposition is effectively a goalie in 10 defenders, that naturally slows the pace down. Unless you've got guys like Ronaldo and Messi or, or, or Raheem Sterling or whatever. It's why a Manchester City can keep on going and go after it and win 8-0. We don't, We simply don't have that level of player, I'm afraid. And um, that that's, for me anyway, that's why it, it you know, slows down a little. Does the crowd do much for that? <sighs> Possibly. Um, certainly the crowd on Thursday night, everyone was up for it. So therefore, I think it gave both teams a lift. You mentioned yourself, David, how did Feyenoord come out and start, you know, Christy ripped us apart twice and then we settled into the game. Um So it will play a bit of a part, but I do think it's about how how we react to the other teams setting up.
2: Second half, though, Caroline, completely different story. Started off by Ryan Jack, who I think has been our best player in the last two matches. Wonderful bit of play from him. Breaking with the ball, gets absolutely cemented in midfield, but still gets an excellent ball away to Alfie. Good advantage from the ref, incidentally. Um, Fair play, we criticise him often enough. Uh, Alfie then wonderful use of his arse and i can't think of of a better way to describe it but he's got a great arse um and he invites defenders in too close the defenders fall for it and he just rolls them and he's away then pace power and a thumping shot into the top corner the thing i like about alfie is he does it when you need it did it last week against live did it again here he doesn't bother about a missed chance the way he used to. And we saw that again yesterday where he missed one in the first half. But then when the opportunity came, he did it. And he's just a nightmare to play against.
0: Yeah, he really is. And first first of all, I can't believe that the line, he's got a great arse, didn't come from the only female on the, on the show tonight. I like that, David. Well, uh, yeah, that's always yeah.
3: been the way on heartland. Hands. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> You know? No one, no one listening to this pod is surprised. You no, know, that's that we, we've we've always been in
2: touch with various sides of a personality. I'm actually surprised that it took us to this season actually to get women on. Although, admittedly, in the f- the first few years, we were talking an awful lot about things like ice talking, <laughs> probably inappropriate. I mean, you're from Godfearing Country, Caroline. I
0: know, I
2: know. You no know? wicker men and all that shit. I've been up there. <laughs> Beautiful place, but you wouldn't want to be playing swing ball on a Sunday. That's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't dare.
2: No, <laughs> no, nope. nope. exactly. Um,
0: but no, in terms of, of Alfie, he he just makes it look so easy, and it's not. I mean, you're you're right. The the ball from Jack and that assist was absolutely sublime. Um, Alfie almost looked at one point as if he was going to kind of trip over his feet or the ball, but he just has that little bit of kind of beautiful skill. Loses his man, and is so powerful to kind of get ahead and, and slot away a goal. I say that he just makes look easy and it's really not um a, a piece of Morelos brilliance that we're probably so used to um that it's, you know, you could almost take it for granted, but yeah, absolutely fantastic.
2: And then from from the Rangers settled down and I thought played some, some great stuff, got the second goal, uh, uh Corner that was what, back out, James Tavernier, again delivering another super ball into the box. Conor Goldson with an excellent header because it was slightly behind him, but he got power into it, nodded it down into the turf. It started raining, so it came off the wet turf very quickly, and that was enough to take it past the goalkeeper. Hoggy, I wanted to talk a little bit about this, because the last two matches we've seen Philip Hellander return to the side at the expense of Nico Katic. And that does seem a little bit odd, the manager has explained he's not injured and he tactically wanted to put Philip Hellander in. And that, I think we understand, but he's been bounced completely from the 18, which has caused a bit of speculation. But I think because of that, Conor Goldson, due to the crime of not being Niko Katic, who is everyone's favourite, including me, by the way, and I admit that, the, the way that some people were talking about him the last few weeks, you would think that he was you know the, the, the new Emerson Krabari. And I think that maybe fans will have to accept that Goldson is going to play. It's that simple. He is one of the team leaders. He's one of the guys on the park that the manager trusts. The position next to him is up for grabs, but his isn't.
3: Yeah, um, personally, I don't think that's right. But I'm not the manager of Rangers. So, uh, you know, we, we we entrust that to Steven Gerrard. And frankly... It's it's his decision to make. Um I think Katic has been a better defender and actually managed Goldson through some of the games this season. Um that's my my kind of colours to the mast. But Goldson's in there and that's just the way and unless he has three or four absolute stinkers that cost us points in a row, he's playing. Um in terms of Philip uh Hellander. There's, I actually think he, he's come into the side. I think he's looked superb. Um, a, a proper natural left-sided centre half, which has helped Borna Barisic, I think. Um, and Niko Katic, I I really like the guy, and I hope there's a place for him in the side. I think he's improved five to tenfold as a player versus the Katic that we saw as he started to become poor. And the kind of uh, maybe towards a, the end of quarter one of last season. Um Katic obviously then was out, and Joe Warrell was in last season, and Nikola Katic got better with every game that Nikola Katic didn't play. This season we've seen lots of online clamour for why on earth have we spent three million quid when we've got on, on Hellander when we've got Nikola Katic? We spent three million quid on him because every you know the manager's clearly thinking about the Nikola Katic of last season. Um, then we had, we've got a three million pound player on the bench. That can't be right. Now he comes in. It's well, what's he doing and in, in Nikola Katic doing? Out there's almost an element of the manager can't win in so, you know some of these circumstances. So I think you're right. You know, Golton is in. Golton's going to play. It's it's the position alongside him. Kellender had to come in at some point. He's in and he's played well. Um no idea what's going on behind the scenes. I'm told it's nothing untoward. Um hasn't stopped speculation, of course. But at the end of the day, katich now needs to knuckle down, work hard, and get back in the team. It's it is it's that or it's the exit door, I'm afraid. Maybe it's a case of maybe it's a case of Steven Gerrard thinking, let's take him out of the team and see how he reacts. And it's just about building the guy up as a, as a proper professional footballer.
2: Matt with is, I think, you know, traditionally with centre-backs, uh, if you have a pairing, you have one that goes and attacks the ball and one who sweeps in behind. And I think the Katic and Helen are, are, are going to attack the ball types. And I think the Goldson, and therefore probably Edmondson, are the sweep-in behind guys. And therefore, I that, I think, is the reason. I, I don't think it's a key. Okay. I think if everyone's fit, obviously you would need to make do and mend if there was injuries, but I think that if it's everyone's fit, then it'll be either Goldson or Edmondson or either Katic and uh, or uh, Hellander. And I think that's the, the battle that maybe a lot of fans, me included, would say, well, play Katic and, and Hellander. I don't think that's an option because they're too similar or, or the manager sees it that way. Caroline, any thoughts on the, 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 the whole centre-back issue?
0: It's it's kind of a nice position to be in. Um, yeah. You know, Katic I think at the start of the season, you'd almost think that he was someone that you wouldn't be able to drop. Um, but I've been absolutely delighted with how Hillender's done um, since he's come into the squad. A little bit unexpected, given that you know he's he's you know potentially not match fit. But I think he's done a fantastic job. So we're a little bit spoilt, I think, for choice. And um, yeah, in in Gerrard, we trust if it's like you say his. Um, his position that Goldson's the one that sticks. If he's fit, then again, I'm not sure I would have necessarily made the same choice. But happy to to go with that. While we're kind of successful, oh, we're winning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> hey, listen, that's that's the the manager's get-out clause for everything. If we're winning, um then the complaints can be absolutely cast aside. Third and fourth goals, two terrific Jermaine. Defoe full finishes. Uh, he had won. Just before Hoggy that he blazed over the bar a volley and the manager laughed and then laughed again when describing it in the in his post-match interview. Uh, but as he said, you know, he wasn't going to miss again when the opportunities came. And he pointed out how good it is to have two strikers like this. And, and to me, I think that this is the perfect use of both. Where you have Alfie runs them ragged for 70 minutes and then you can bring Jermaine Defoe on at the end with the pace, guile, the ability to find the space for a shot. It must be a nightmare for a tiring defender. You see Boss Number come up and you go, oh, thank Christ for that. And then you see Jermaine Defoe limbering up and you think, oh my God.
3: It's not so long ago, it was Umar Sadiq. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, yeah. I think, frankly, the manager's got to take his, his his fair share of the blame when it comes to the bold Uma. Um, we've got our, our first choice striker is Alfredo Morelos. Absolutely, for all the all the praise and plaudits we've been given. Um, incidentally, for him to come back from being sent off at Parkhead the way he was, and every everyone had maybe not quite written him off, but. A lot of people were saying it's time to go, sick of him, etc. For him to turn the entire support round the way he has, with magnificent performances, with lack of drama, with limited cards. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And then, as you say, Jermaine Defoe limbers up and comes off the bench and gets three chances and scores twice. That is for, that that's gonna really, really benefit us this season. I, I expect this season to be nip and tuck all the way and the better goal difference we the better goal difference we have, all the better because you know there's Alfie scores great, Goldson scores, Jermaine DeFogus a couple, we've made the Dent in Celtic's goal difference yesterday. That that's for me, that's what the game's gonna be uh, going to be about going forward.
2: Wouldn't be a Rangers game without some controversy, uh, in inverted commas. The controversy yesterday appeared to be the referee getting a decision correct, which was a remarkable double goal line clearance from Stephen Davis, which has been almost lost in all the hoo-ha afterwards. Um, At the time, in in normal play, you could have been forgiven for thinking the ball was over the line. Uh, I didn't know, in all honesty. I was "Mm, not sure. I suspect the linesman was the same, I suspect the ref was the same, which is why they didn't give it, because you have to be sure to, to give the goal. Video evidence showed that the ball wasn't over the line, but of course, Caroline, we can't just have a decision like that, can we? Not not when it's us.
0: No, we can't have nice things, <laughs> but yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. The first angle that you saw it from, um, that BT Sports showed, I was, I was watching it in the house, um, yeah, you were a bit unsure as to whether or not it was over the line. What I find fascinating is that when you see the second view there are still some pundits fellow scottish football fans who should have been watching a different game but clearly weren't um claiming that it is a goal and you think are we looking at the same thing here it's unbelievable um yeah it shouldn't be a talking point the kind of biggest talking point you'd think would be the the handball penalty claim but yet here we are talking about um their claim, which, uh, you know, is certainly not a goal.
2: No, I mean, it wasn't a But you're right, it's people who start off from an opinion and work backwards and their opinion as Rangers get everything and therefore I'm going to clutch. And I think yeah, it is a kind of dangerous thing that we see a lot in social media, modern society, whatever you want to call it, which is even when presented with evidence, they will still cling to their original point and to me it just makes you look like a half-wit if you do that it's a sort of michael stewartian approach to life rangers therefore getting a good victory hoggy rolling on now to wednesday night it's the league cup it's livingston plastic pitch away from home will not be an easy match i've seen some people calling for wholesale changes to the rangers team maybe just me but we haven't won anything for a long time or far too long a time
3: the League Cup could be won
2: before Christmas. I want this taken extremely seriously.
3: Um, you and I, David, uh, grew up grew up with Rangers from the early to mid-80s when we won nothing but the League Cup. Um, I'm fairly sure there was a point where I believed we weren't allowed to win the League or the Scottish Cup. <laughs> uh, but we would always beat Celtic or someone else in the final at hand in the League Cup. So, I, I my, my view is, and it, should, it is the same as yours, the League Cup's a trophy. We haven't won it for so long since, God, what would that be, 2011? Um, it's about time that we set that right. It's the first trophy available this season. I want us to take it seriously and go and win the damn thing. Now, wholesale changes, I think wholesale changes would be, I actually think as a mindset, that would be the wrong thing to do. I want broadly the same type of team going to play. Maybe two or three changes, max. Um, because I've got one eye on the international break. The international break's two weeks away. So therefore we've got Livingston, Aberdeen, Young Boys of Bern and Hamilton at Ibrooks. And then two weeks off for the vast majority of the squad. Going, what was it Stephen Gerrard said? Empty the tank. Go and empty the tank over these next four games, get two victories in the league, get a good result in Bern and get to the next round of the League Cup.
2: Well, Hoggy does speak for me on that, Caroline. Um, but uh, is that shared by you? It, or are you thinking, actually, it's the League Cup, lads, it's Levy. Let's just, you know, maybe five yeah. or six changes and go with it. Um, or do you think, no, hang on a minute here, We've, we have we can't take this match lightly. We lost there with a pathetic performance last season. We need to go there all guns blazing.
0: Yeah, I'm going to side with you and Hoggy on this one. I don't think you can, at early enough, a, a point in the season, lay down a marker to uh, the rest of the teams, uh, particularly Celtic, to say, we are title contenders. and Given the fact that we didn't win the first Old Firm game of the season, I'd love for us to, like you say before Christmas, be able to have a cup under our belts um, to plant a seed of doubt with them. One, they wouldn't have their their treble and also they would have, you know, the realisation that for a long, or for the first time in a long time, uh, they're not going to have it easy and we're not going to give them uh, the league title on a plate. So, yeah, for me... um, we've got to play our strongest available squad and try and get a trophy for the first time in far too long.
2: Yeah, it's, it's that simple for me. We, we we aren't in a position to disregard competitions. We haven't won enough recently to do that and with that in mind I, I think we need to go there full strength or as close to a full strength team as possible and Compete because it will be a We saw last season when we didn't turn up with the right attitudes for one of the matches there. The players, for whatever reason, didn't seem to fancy that and we got battered. I mean, it was 1 0, but it was Livvy who had all the chances. When we went there focused later in the season, we won 3 0. So I won't accept any excuses about, oh, plastic pitcher or anything like that. The team have shown that they have the ability to go and win this match and it's up to them, Hoggy, to to go out there and, and, as I say, bring a level of performance that's good enough to get us over the line. But Livy will be bang up for this, you know, live match, on the TV, on their home pitch against Rangers. Um, this is going to be a battle.
3: And Livingston have started the season really well. Yeah, you know, they're, 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 they're currently sitting six. They've lost their last two league games. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but they've started well. And given they lost, they lost flipping half of their first team in the summer. So the job that Gary Holt's doing there is, is, is a very, very fine one. We we need to go there and do our thing. They will sit in, they will camp in, plastic pitch and all those usual kind of psychological worries. Um, if we go and do our thing, we'll win the game. If we don't, we'll be popped out in our arse.
2: Can I have a prediction from you then, Caroline?
0: Oh, um, I think it will be a comfortable victory. I would say a 4 0. Let's go Oof. for another 4 0. Two on the drop.
3: Boggy. Okay. Woofed indeed. Um, I'll go 3 1. Rangers.
2: I'll go 2-0 Rangers. I think it'll be a a tight game, but I think we'll have a wee bit too much quality. I hope so anyway. Right, folks, that will do us this week here on Heart and Hand. Um, We will be back on Thursday, because obviously no European game with Heart and Hand Extra, where we will look back to the Livingston game and preview... The Aberdeen game at the weekend. There's loads of content though over on our Patreon site on uh, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Where from just one ninety nine per month you will get loads and loads and loads. Uh, usually between three and five shows every single day on all things Rangers, all things football and a few other things as well. Including today an interview with Arthur Newman. And uh, we had an interview this time last week with George Albert, so you'll be able to get both of them. Wonderful interviews. You will learn an awful lot. And I would just like to thank our friends at Five Stars Limited for setting this up for us. Five Stars Run events all over Scotland featuring ex jazz players. To find out more, give them a follow on social media. Just search for Five Stars Limited on Facebook or go to at five, numeric five, stars, LTD on Twitter. Thank you then to our executive producers in London, Mightly and Paul Myers, and to my two guests this evening. First of all, Caroline Morrison.
0: Thanks very much, David. I enjoyed that.
2: Solid debut. Solid. Thank um, you. We'll, we'll be looking for Borna Barisic last two weeks style performances from you in the future. <laughs> and of course, the wonderful Ian Hogg.
3: Pleasure as always, mate. Good to be Thanks very back. much for listening, folks. We'll be back
2: on Thursday. Till then, I hope your team wins. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>